Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. My friends at Lifeway Research have recently completed a study of United States pastors in which they ask those pastors to tell them their greatest needs or the areas of greatest challenge or struggle right now in ministry. And as a result of that research project, Lifeway identified 17 issues that a majority of U.S. pastors identified were challenging. Now, as I look down that list of 17, I see a number of issues that I've already covered on recent podcasts, maybe sometime over the past six months. And so I don't plan to go down their list of 17 and do a podcast on every single one of them. But quite honestly, this list is significant. It's significant not only for the podcast, but it also is significant because it helps me to understand what's going on in the lives of pastors as I preach and speak and write for them. And it also helps me to shape our curriculum and emphases here at Gateway so that we're training pastors and potential pastors to face the real issues that they'll need to grapple with as they move into ministry leadership. So I found this research to be consequential on many levels, but particularly, and for today, consequential about this podcast. So today, I want to talk with you about the second highest rated need that pastors said they'd like for someone to address in their lives to give them some resource or assistance in meeting just now. That need is fostering connections with unchurched people. 76% of pastors in the United States said that fostering connections with unchurched people was a significant need in their lives. I can believe that. I know that when I was a pastor, uh, I found it uh, natural to be connected with unchurched people until our church really started to grow. And then I found my time getting more and more caught up in church activity, going from this committee meeting to this board meeting to this class and this service, going from this preparation for this event to this session or counseling with these people to this uh, study for this sermon I found myself more and more and more focusing almost entirely on church-based activity. And when I went to work for the Northwest Baptist Convention and then, of course, came on to work for Gateway Seminary, this problem only got worse. In fact, today, I could justify everything I do and really get a lot of uh, positive feedback and even financial reward If I would just spend all my time working among Christians, I could preach to Christians, I could write for Christians, I could go to meetings with Christians, I could counsel Christians, I could consult with Christians, I could go out to dinner with Christians. In fact, I could spend all my time with Christians, and I might even, in the context of doing that, receive accolades for my excellence as a seminary president. But I would know the truth. I would know that there was something missing in my life. And that's what the pastor said in this survey. Something's missing. When you find yourself completely encapsulated in Christian ministry, Christian service, Christian relationships, Christian fellowship, when you find yourself encapsulated in all of that, it can be an isolating experience and cut you off from meaningful relationships with unchurched, unsaved people. So what do you do about it? 
Well, I had to make some hard decisions when I was a pastor, and I definitely had to double down on those decisions when I left pastoral ministry and started working in the denomination. I had to make some specific commitments, some specific choices in order to make sure that I did not lose this important conduit of relationships with unsaved and unchurched people by which I could share the gospel and fulfill my responsibility of being a role model and a witness for Jesus Christ. So the first step for me was this. And the first step I would challenge you to consider is this. You must intentionally choose to redefine your role as a Christian leader. Intentionally choose to redefine your role as a Christian leader. Do not buy into a definition of Christian leadership that entails only doing things with, for, and alongside Christians. It's easy to do that. As I've said, you can go from meeting to service to Bible study to counseling session to planning time to study time and back to meeting and around that circle over and over and over and over again. And in doing so, find a lot of personal fulfillment and a lot of accolades and attaboys from other Christians who will appreciate the work you're doing on their behalf. But a person in Christian leadership who's going to stay connected to the unchurched has to redefine their leadership role. Intentionally choose to add staying connected to the unchurched as a primary assignment and responsibility. Now, this may involve some internal struggle for you. When you've been taught that Christian leadership has one definition or one set of expectations and you've internalized those, it may be difficult for you to change. I know that when I was an early, uh, in my early Christian faith, I was taught many good things by my pastor who led me to faith in Jesus and mentored me into ministry. But after I'd been in ministry leadership for a while, I, made, I realized I needed to make some choices to do things somewhat differently than he had done them and that he had trained me to do them. And the struggle was real. I felt like I was somehow casting off my Christian heritage or somehow rejecting the love and input of this person who cared so much for me. Or in some ways, I felt like I was judging them because I was disagreeing with their model and making adjustments as I went along. So the internal struggle for me was real. The internal struggle of setting aside the expectations that I had developed from learnings from other leaders was a challenge. Uh, Another aspect of this is redefining your role as a Christian leader to include Time devoted to reaching the unchurched may even create some relational conflict with other Christians, particularly with Christians on your team or Christians who are in your leadership group or Christians who depend on you for what you've previously done in the past. This is delicate. It sometimes is hard to say to church leaders, I can't be at that meeting because I have to be involved in this place in the community. Now, once you get this established, it becomes a normal part of your routine and of your work as a Christian leader. But in the context of redefining it, it may create some relational conflict. I remember one time I was in a deacon's meeting and I said to the fellows, guys, I've 
stayed as long as I can. I've got a little league game to coach and I got to go. And the guys all smiled because they knew that it wasn't just because I loved little league that I had to go. It was because my involvement in youth sports was the primary way that I was connected to the unchurched in our community, to unsaved men and women that I was trying to reach with the gospel. And my church saw the fruit of that of those labors as from time to time, people came out of the youth sports community to faith in Jesus and became part of our church. And so when I said that to my leaders that day, I got to go, I got to coach a little league game. They understood that it was not me just bugging out of a Christian responsibility or a leadership responsibility. It was me actually fulfilling my role as a Christian leader by bringing some balance to my effort and making sure that staying invested in, not, in lost people and in the community of the unchurched and unsaved was a priority for me. So the first choice you have to make is an intentional choice to redefine what it means to be a ministry leader. And that redefinition has to include a component that says part of my role and responsibility of being a ministry leader is remaining connected to the unchurched, engaged with the unsaved, witnessing in the lost community, and doing that more as a person who has ongoing relationships than someone who just parachutes in from time to time with a gospel tract. Now, when you accomplish this redefinition successfully, you may be surprised at how others will ultimately come to affirm you. For many years, as uh, you probably know, I was the chaplain for the San Francisco Giants. And during that time, uh, I always marveled that seminary students asked me often about my work with the Giants. Questions like, have you led anyone else to faith in Jesus lately? How do you see the players being impacted by the gospel? What are some ways that, you, that God is using you to get the gospel into that, com- into that culture or that community? And I discovered that students asked me actually more questions about that than they did things like, how's the seminary budget doing? And how's seminary fundraising going? And how's seminary faculty development happening? Students really didn't care about that all that much, they really cared more about my modeling what it meant to be engaged with getting the gospel to more people. And so once I got this established in my life, while it was difficult in the beginning to go through the internal struggle of making the adjustment of redefining my role as a leader, and then some relational tension along the way of establishing a new pattern of relating to my leaders, particularly in my church. But once I got that established, It became encouraging to me at how Christians responded positively to a leader who had this as a priority. So the first step to you fostering better connections with unchurched people, with unsaved people, with lost people in your community is to intentionally choose to redefine your definition of leadership, particularly your your definition of Christian leadership to include a component of being a model, an example, of reaching the unsaved, lost community with the gospel. Now, a second step is to be available. You have to decide to adjust your schedule. I call this transactional planning, where you add something in, yes, but you take something away at the same time. You have to be available to lost people. You have to be available to be engaged with them in their context, at their time, on their timetable, uh, where they are and when they are going to be available. You have to be willing to adjust your schedule accordingly. Now, 
First of all, you have to adjust your schedule personally. I hate wasting time. I get uh, frustrated when meetings drag on without a point. I uh, get angry when I have to sit and wait for something to happen that should have taken half the time that it's taking. And so you can imagine that when I was on a little league board of directors and those meetings went on for two or three hours of whining and nonsense and politics and droning and arguing about insignificant trivia, how frustrated that was for me. But I realized, you know, I'm really not going to build relationships with the people on this board if I don't come to the board meetings. And if I don't share this experience with them, I'm really not entering into their world and convincing them that I want to be a part of who they are and earn the credibility I need to have the gospel opportunity that, I, that I'm trying to get to with each one of them. You know, recently I had an opportunity to go back to that community where I used to work in those Little League contexts, and I spoke at a funeral service for a person from the community, for a person that had had those same connections back in those days. And while, when I finished speaking, one of the men came up to me 20 years ago. I met this guy, and he said, I remember all the time you spent with us in Little League, and here's the impact it made. And he started telling me about that impact and the fact that he was at that service today because of some of the impact of those meetings long ago and of my connections to him and to the gospel back in those days. And I was reminded again, you have to adjust your schedule and your expectations of availability if you're really going to plug into the lives of people who are in your community who do not yet know Jesus Christ. You know, back in the day when I was planting the church, we started with a streamlined schedule. We, we moved away from multiple worship services every week and multiple Bible studies every week and multiple church activities every week. And we actually tried to structure our church so that we had worship service and Bible study, and then we challenged people to devote that third opportunity they had every week to being involved in the community and trying to share the gospel with someone or make a difference in the community. So we definitely still emphasized worship, and we definitely still emphasized Bible study, but now we were equally emphasizing plug into some means by which you can get the gospel into the community. And we created some church-based venues and ministries for that to happen, but we also gave people permission to ignore our church-based venues and programs and go into the community on their own by coaching youth sports or joining the chess club or being a part of a, of a running club or something like that where they were engaged with people in their community. One woman came to me after a few months of this and said, this change has been really hard for me. And she said, I'm going to church less than at any time in my life. Now I knew what she meant. She had grown up as the daughter of a Southern Baptist pastor, and she had been going to church multiple times a week since she had been born. And frankly, she loved church, and she liked the rhythm of it and the activity of it and the people of it. It was a good thing. But when she came into our church and moved into this streamlined strategy, she recognized that she was going to church less than ever before at any time in her life. And she said, Jeff, I'm going to church right now less than any time in my life. And then she smiled and said, but I'm doing more of what the church is supposed to be doing than at any time in my life. Man, that was an encouraging conversation.
because by even creating a church schedule that gave permission to people to create availability and to go into community, I was strengthening this work of engaging the lost, connecting with the unsaved, connecting with non-Christians. Now, I was doing it. I was modeling it. But I had the influence of our church's schedule to create a schedule that even facilitated it. And so be available. Be intentional. Redefine your role. Be available. Redefine how you use time and how you're willing to invest time in order to make the connections necessary for sharing the gospel. Now, number three. A third part of more intentionally fostering these connections with unchurched people is to be yourself. Be yourself. Now, what I mean by that is when you redefine your role to include connecting with unsaved, unchurched people, and you make yourself available to do that by carving time out of your schedule and prioritizing certain times that you're going to be available to really connect with your community and build the relationships over which the gospel can travel, then third, while you're doing those things, be yourself, meaning that you choose an affinity-based activity or affinity-based project or affinity-based relationships so that your being in the community connecting with unsaved and unchurched people is a natural expression of who you are. Now, for most of my life, that has included something related to sports. And so for many years, I was coaching youth sports when my children were younger. And then for many more years after that, I stayed in baseball as an umpire and managed to maintain those ministry relationships. And then beyond that, I continue now working with professional umpires, working through Calling for Christ, a ministry designed just for them and plugging into that community through that means. This is very uh, natural for me. I've grown up since I was seven years old around the game of baseball. I know the language. I know the vocabulary. I know how people think. I know the rhythms of it. I know the unspoken cultural cues that are a part of the game. Uh, I've been around enough Major League Baseball players and Major League umpires to learn some of that culture and the decorum required around those kind of folk. It's just natural for me. But if you took me down to the beach here in uh, California and put me among a bunch of surfers, I would be completely lost. I wouldn't know the language. I wouldn't know the cultural cues. I wouldn't know what I should say and what I shouldn't say. I wouldn't know where to stand or how to walk, how to talk. I wouldn't know anything at all about that context. But I've got some employees here at Gateway that are surfers. And man, they know how to connect with that surfer community. And it's astounding to watch them do that because that's who they are. It's their affinity. It's the natural way they grew up. It's the natural connections that they make. I've got another friend who's uh, a chess guy. Now, I can barely handle checkers, but this guy is into chess. He reads books about chess. He knows all about chess. And so he joined a local chess club, and he's involved with those guys. And not only do they go and play chess uh, on a regular basis, but then they uh, read each other's Uh, emails about chess and they read blogs about chess and they have jokes about chess and they are just really into this game chess. And so naturally his affinity is those men in that and women in that group. And 
in that means or, or in that context, he's very effective at building relationships with the unsaved and unchurched, and by the means of doing that, sharing the gospel. You know, for many years, my wife did this through being a volunteer in public schools. My wife understands the public school system. She understands teachers. She understands how the system works and how to best provide support in that context. And so she worked as a volunteer coordinator and did that for many years. And because of that, she had just wonderful entree into the lives of many people with the gospel. It really doesn't matter who you are. There's a niche for you. What I'm advising you to do, though, is don't fake it. Look, I'm not going to go try to fake it that I fit in with the surfer guys or with the chess club guys. I'm just going to find the baseball players and the athletes, and I'm going to hang around those guys. I fit that world. I understand that culture. I'm okay there. I'm challenging you today that for you to really connect with the unsaved and unchurched, you need to find a way to do that within your affinity of who you are. So think about affinity with your interests. I've been illustrating that all along. But think also about affinity with your family. Now, you might say, well, I've got an affinity for golfers. Well, maybe you do, but you're not going to be able to spend that many hours with golfers. If you've got a young family, it's just not going to happen. So you got to think not only what's going to be an affinity of the people that I connect with, but what's going to be an affinity that actually works with my family. Now, our, my children were athletes, and that made working in youth sports an affinity for us. And my children attended public school, and that made public school volunteer coordination an affinity for my wife. And both of these were in our interest, and both of them fit our family. So you have to find an affinity not only of your interests, but also an affinity with your family and with the time commitments and time constraints that come along with being in a family. And then another part of this is you have to find something that has an affinity with your leadership role. You know, for those years that I was with the Giants, I was only really able to do that because I was a seminary president. I couldn't have done it if I had been a pastor. I had to commit 18 weekends a year to being with the ball club. That's 18 Sundays, and a lot of those included some Saturdays, being with the ball club in order to do the ministry that was required. And that really wasn't possible for me to do as a pastor. But it did work out for me to do that with the position that I had at the seminary. So when I talk about affinity, you have to have an affinity with your interests, an affinity with your family, and an affinity with your leadership role. Be yourself. So when you think about connecting with unchurched people, first, be intentional. Redefine your understanding of what it means to be a Christian leader and then work out that definition with your, in, with your own internal compass and your relationships of people around you that may need some adjustment. And then be intentional and then be available, meaning be available to adjust your schedule accordingly and adjust your understanding of how your time is going to be used accordingly so you can really connect with people who don't yet know Jesus. Then be yourself. Choose an affinity an affinity based around your interests and your family and your leadership role, a natural connectivity that you have, and go down those paths in building these relationships. And then finally, finally, be patient. Be patient. 
When you start building relationships with the unsaved and unchurched in your community, you may be discouraged that they do not immediately start responding to the gospel. You have to be patient. It takes time to build connections. It takes time to build credibility. It takes time to understand how to carry on a gospel conversation that may uh, occur over months or even over a few years as you share the gospel in different ways. Be patient. You know, sometimes God works quickly. I know that when I first started working in Baseball Chapel, uh, the first, first few months, two players came to faith in Jesus. And it was so startling that it happened so quickly that I actually had a phone call from my supervisor who said, this is awesome, but it's, it's also a, a little bit abnormal that you're having this rapid of results. And I thought, well, okay, I don't know what normal is. I just started. It just seems normal to me because you know, it's the only experience I have. And then after those first couple of people came to faith in Jesus, it was a couple of years before the next player came to faith in Christ. And I remember thinking, wow, how encouraging it was that God allowed me to lead those people to faith in Christ early on in my tenure, but then how patient I had to learn to be to watch him work the gospel ever so slowly into the lives of more people over time. You know, this memorial service I referenced earlier in the podcast has been an encouragement to me because I recently returned back to Oregon, led this service, and there were people that came to that service that I had not seen that I had not seen in more than 20 years. And some of them I hadn't worked with in a baseball context for 25, close to even 30 years. But there in that service, people came back. And I saw people that were there who had professed faith in Jesus and had been following him because of the influence I had those years ago. I saw other people that were there who had not yet committed to follow Jesus, who had a witness from me back in those days and had been thinking about perhaps that along the way, but who got to hear me speak the gospel one more time at this service these years later. But because of the relationship built back in those days, they were willing to come and listen and to really hear what I had to say about the gospel and the resurrection and about life after death. Be patient. You know, when you plug into the community that needs to know Jesus, It sometimes takes a while before the results start coming. But if you'll be patient, God will give the increase. Well, LifeWay Research has helped us. They've asked pastors to identify the most significant needs they have right now in ministry leadership. They they found 17 items that more than half the pastors surveyed said were a priority or a concern right now. Number two on their list was fostering connections with unchurched people. Today on the podcast, I've tried to help you learn how to do that. You gotta be more intentional about who you are and about how you lead. You have to be available to people on their schedule, at their time and in their place. You gotta be yourself, finding an affinity with your interest in your family and your schedule. But then you also have to be patient, trusting that as you develop a lifestyle, not a program, not a project, not an emphasis, a lifestyle of engaging unsaved and unchurched people with the gospel, God will give the increase. You can do this. You can do it well as you lead on.